0: Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Ortho Radio. My name is Nick Bertha. I'm here today with Dr. John Elfar here at uh, Penn State Hershey. And thanks for being with us today, Dr. Elfar.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. It's a pleasure. Uh, so today we're going to talk about nerve injuries. So it's a pretty complex topic that uh, Dr. Elfar here has done a lot of different work with. So I kind of want to just start it broad here and just kind of talk about what... What do we do when someone injures a nerve, and specifically a peripheral nerve, and how is that different than injuring a spinal nerve? Can you kind of start there and kind of tell us what the difference of that is?
1: This is a great question. Nerves control everything we do, and uh, they control everything we feel as well, and the nerves are set up in the body so that the same nerves are carrying the sensory signals, what we're supposed to feel, into our brain, and they're also carrying the commands on moving out of our brain. And that that actually makes it so that nerve injuries are kind of hard to figure out because you can't figure out exactly where along a nerve it's not working. We use clues as to where a patient has had trauma or where a patient has had surgery. Sure. But the reality is, is that it's pretty hard to figure out sometimes whether the nerve is injured in the brachial plexus, for example, the collection of nerves that connect the hand to the brain or whether uh, the nerves are injured in the spinal column, or even above, there's patients who feel things wrong. They feel things incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it's actually a a difficult thing to figure out where nerve injuries occur.
0: Does it make a difference whether or not the nerve injury is higher or more towards your neck as opposed to being more towards the hand or the mid-arm somewhere? Is that kind of differentiation important?
1: So the answer is yes. We use our... Knowledge of clinical knowledge of what nerves are supposed to control to figure out exactly where they're hurt a lot of times. And in the same way that we figure out where power cables are down by how many people have lost power to their homes, but it isn't an exact science, and people have different maps of nerves in their bodies. So it's actually, it actually becomes pretty complex to figure that out. The big problem is uh, not just figuring out where a nerve injury occurs but figuring out what to do with it when it occurs. Sure. Um, because we really don't have any viable treatments for most nerve injuries nowadays.
0: I didn't realize, you know, it kind of, it's, it's a very complex topic. Once you've kind of localized the nerve, or I guess, how do you go about doing that? What kind of testing is usually done to kind of find where that injury is?
1: That's the thing, you know, I, I have written before, and I, you know, I really believe nerves have been an ignored or an underappreciated problem. Uh, when you talk to patients who end up having an amputation late after an injury, an amputation of their leg or their hand, late after the trauma that caused the, uh, the problem in the first place, they almost always end up with that amputation because nerves okay. uh, never recovered. Mm-hmm. And so uh, medicine's gotten really good at, at, uh, at salvaging pretty horrible injuries. We see this all the time. But nerve injuries really haven't. And when you look at all the other tissues in the body, we have imaging and good diagnostics for every single other tissue that exists in the body. We look at skin and can tell how big the lesion is. We get x-rays of bones. We get CT scans of organs. But nerves, they're very hard to image. They're very small, and they control everything. Yeah. So it's very mm-hmm. likely that a patient who recovers no nerve function in a mangling limb injury, my research is surrounding mangled limbs, gotcha. um, in a mangling limb injury, it's very, uh, very common that The leg is alive, but a patient can't use it. Uh And that's the tragedy, is being able to save everything but the nerve.
0: Sure, sure. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit, what is some of the research kind of work that you're doing? You said it's kind of along with the nerve injuries to mangled extremities. Where does that kind of lie?
1: My lab has been working both at the University of Rochester before I came here and Penn State. We've been focusing on the kinds of nerve injuries that are most often ignored. We know that the peripheral nervous system has the ability to regenerate we also know from 50, 60 years' experience that it's not so good at it.
0: Okay. Um, uh,
1: and its ability to regenerate is often overstated because the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord, don't have any ability to regenerate. Uh, well, relative to that, peripheral nerves do pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is, is that a, a patient over 40 who has a nerve injury uh, is unlikely to get better Completely, unless the nerve injury was exceedingly trivial. We have other problems as well. So we have a hard time telling even if nerves were cut or just crushed or stunned in an injury. There's no good diagnostic for it. And the best diagnostics we have, they only become sensitive and specific far after the nerve injury. The best diagnostics would be uh, diagnostics that we could apply in the emergency room, like the other diagnostics that I was talking about before. Uh, It turns out that nerves don't really have that. Uh, Nerve imaging works if the nerve that was injured uh, was really big, but it doesn't work the further out you get into the limb or not so well. And so I think these are the problems that we are facing with nerve injury. Our research in our lab has focused on injuries that don't sever the nerve but don't seem to get better in adults. Okay. And the myriad other things that are associated with nerve function that we didn't really we didn't really think were so associated with nerve function. It turns out that patients who have dysmotility in their gut, we've done some studies on dysmotility, and we found that nerve recovery agents that we study in the lab for standard nerve injuries, they actually work for gut dysmotility. Oh, wow. And it turns out that wound healing is dependent on nerve regeneration. And And some of the discoveries we made in the lab actually have applications in wound regeneration, wound healing as well. So. The nerve is really the center of the issue, uh, and when we look at the problems that we have no, no good capacity to treat nowadays, it, it, it works out to be uh, nerve-related. Um, we study two agents, uh, primarily erythropoietin, which is a drug that is used in sports, often abused in sports, mm-hmm. and this uh, newer drug called foraminopyridine, which is used in multiple sclerosis patients, and we found pretty remarkable effects of these drugs in various models of injury in animals.
0: And how are you actually utilizing that drug? Because it's it's interesting. It it sounds like there's so much important function and that everything relies on these nerves. But it sounds like for years, people have been kind of ignoring this or maybe not ignoring it, but having trouble kind of figuring out how to target these issues. So how does the drug actually kind of facilitate that?
1: Well, these drugs are very different drugs and they both have the same quality in that they're FDA approved for other Indications, so they can be used off-label for nerve injuries. My clinical practice is pretty standard, as you know. I treat shoulder problems and uh, hand and elbow problems primarily. But in the treatment of nerve injury, we've found that uh, erythropoietin actually accelerates recovery uh, in the setting where the nerve has been injured for its myelin. Nerves have a structure. They have neurons, which are the nerve cells inside of a nerve but they also have these insulating cells called Schwann cells. They make myelin. And what we found is is that both of these drugs used in different ways can preserve myelin and recover myelin. And I don't think that I appreciated early on in my practice how often a nerve injury is actually an injury where a lot of the nerve cells are actually intact, the neurons are intact, but the myelin cells have been injured. And we found pretty remarkable effects of these drugs our work has not just been on applying these drugs to uh, animals with nerve injuries we've actually written some trials uh, and gotten approval from the uh, food and drug administration to go and do clinical trials That's we've awesome. also developed we've also developed new ways to apply these drugs so that patients aren't getting them systemically but getting them in a targeted form directly on the nerve injury and wow. we believe that the ability to do that coupled with our new, the newer technologies that exist in medicine to put needles exactly where injuries are using ultrasound guidance, that those, those two things together are going to make it so that nerve injuries are treated in a targeted way, and we want that.
0: That's pretty remarkable, this work that you guys are kind of doing, and I, I agree, I don't think I really appreciated that the myelin injuries are as important as they are. I mean, I think we always talk about them, but we always kind of classically see is the severed, nerve that's totally through all the axons and how bad those can be. But I, I think some of these you know, myelin-based injuries can be just as severe in a, in a sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that we can't tell them apart yeah. is a big part of this. But no one really appreciates the role of the insulation until I start to tell them, well, you know, in the coaxial wires are the wires that are carrying our power all over the place, if the insulation didn't exist, we wouldn't get any power. And the reason is is that the insulation allows for separate signals to be carried. In a typical nerve, there are 10,000 neurons. Okay. Uh, and if they all shorted together, you wouldn't get any function. Yeah. Uh, it's the ability to independently signal the desire to move a, a muscle in the leg and the desire to feel um, a particular patch of skin in the leg independently that enable you to use the nerve at all. Sure. So the myelin actually ends up being important for function. When a nerve is injured, recent studies have suggested that these Schwann cells are the only directors of the nerve recovery. Um, they're the ones that provide the cues for the neurons to grow back to their targets. And without Schwann cell function, animals that are able to regenerate whole limbs are unable to do so.
0: Really? Um, wow.
1: uh, and so the idea that uh, the Schwann cell is probably the main orchestrator of recovery after injury. Is becoming a much more accepted concept nowadays.
0: That's really fascinating. I guess, you know, like I said, we we talk about the Schwann cells and the importance, but you're right, you know, the cables without the insulation are not going to function very well. It's not going to do its job. Now, how, you talked about the ultrasound and targeting these nerves. How small of an area are you able to target using the ultrasound? How small of a nerve can you get down to?
1: In a recent paper that we just submitted, we were able to do ultrasound guided injections in mice mm-hmm. uh, mice are really small animals they're about 25 or 30 grams but we were able to uh, get our drug directly on a nerve injury in mice wow. um, and film it and really? so the technology for administering injections has just totally exploded over the past 20 years wow. and our ability to get targeted therapy to the location of an injury a small structure in an injury that's really incredible now yeah so our lab has really, uh, and, and many labs, have been directing their efforts in getting a therapy that can go to the injury and cause a difference, and that's been a challenge.
0: Wow, that's, that is remarkable that you've been able to do it in mice. That's a very tiny a nerve that they have going on there. So I would take it then, I mean, I'm sure, you know, in the future you'll kind of work into this, trying to incorporate this into to people um, and be able to kind of target some of the smaller nerves there. I think that would be fascinating to see kind of how that kind of plays out in the future. Me too. (laughs) Now, as far as the EPO goes versus the 4-AP, how do they kind of differ in their function for recovery?
1: We've found very interesting effects of erythropodin. Erythropodin was the first drug we tried, and foraminopyridine happened later, about a couple of years before I came to Penn State the effects of these two drugs are actually similar on a structural level but the mechanisms by which they achieve their improvements are probably very different and we're only now beginning to open the book on what these drugs are doing at the sites of nerve injury for is an excitatory molecule it's a stimulant and it actually probably works through a, through a mechanism similar to electrical stimulation mm-hmm. many people have noticed that there's electrical stimulators now on the market and you can get them to recover from an injury and put little patches on your skin. Mm-hmm. Foraminopyridine, we believe, is probably a much more effective way of doing that because it's a drug that does that. Erythropoietin is one of these super cytokine hormones. The body is designed to respond to erythropoietin in myriad ways. Sure. And uh, one of the ways uh, that we found was in recovery of gut motility. When we went and injured animals for their gut, we found that their ability to recover normal gastrointestinal function was related to erythropoietin. Erythropoietin at the site of nerve injuries seems to stimulate uh, certain cells like macrophages and Schwann cells to a more reparative phenotype. It turns out that these different cells have different attitudes in the site of a nerve injury. And erythropoietin helps improve their attitude towards recovery by improving their ability to scavenge Debris after the injury, sure. so that's a very different sort of mechanism, and we don't understand exactly what these drugs are doing. Fortunately, they're FDA approved, um, and we are already moving into clinical trials with several of these discoveries now.
0: So, the kind of these saying the erythropoietin really has kind of been based on kind of its function that it had in the past and how powerful it kind of was in other functions. How did you guys stumble upon the fact that the four AP was also useful for nerve repair? That's an
1: interesting story. We were studying erythropoietin, and we were asked by a reviewer of one of our papers to prove that when we crush nerves, that some neurons aren't destroyed. And it came to one of my partners, one of my mentors, the idea that we could use foraminopyridine, because foraminopyridine is used in patients who have multiple sclerosis to awaken nerves that, have mi- that were missing myelin. Yeah. And it was the first time that anyone really oh. thought to try this drug in a nerve injury, a peripheral nerve injury. So we did that and it woke these nerves up and that was surprising enough. But when we gave the animals that had the nerve injury 4 over time, every day, and we started looking at their nerves under microscopes, we found that the nerves actually had structural improvements that were never before believed to be associated with Mm -hmm. 4-AP in the clinic. That's when we started to realize that 4AP and the electrical stimulation that's associated with it may have an effect to improve the structure, the scene of the trauma, crime yeah. uh, in a nerve injury. It was all by happenstance. Well,
0: wow, that's awesome. I mean, that's a really cool way to kind of stumble upon that. I, I mean, I really look forward to seeing more of the research kind of moving forward with this. What are some of the next steps that you guys are taking in the in the study and kind of looking forward at this point?
1: Well, what we're doing most, we're spending a lot of effort now to actually gain the appropriate regulatory approvals for clinical trials in conditions, various conditions, that are currently untreatable. Mm -hmm. So we can use the currently available systemic treatment to go and actually treat patients and see whether it works. That's called translational research. It's translating from animals to humans. And we've been pretty successful at that, but I think that there's a lot more success to come there. Uh, I think that development is going to involve industri- industri- industry partners for some of the local applications because we have to get these drugs made to the standards of drugs that are currently given to humans, mm-hmm. uh, and that requires industry partners. So that's another direction. Uh, I think the third direction is the direction we've been at the whole time, which is finding good models of human disease and applying these uh, these techniques broadly, so that we can discover exactly what the breadth of things we could, uh, could treat. All of us know of patients who have surgery and then have a nerve injury as a result of the surgery, or have a condition that's treated with radiation and have a nerve injury as a result of that. We all know those patients. Yeah. What we're trying to do is flesh out exactly who we should trial first and although my clinical practice doesn't really involve many nerve injuries, as you know, um, uh, my clinical practice is becoming these formal trials because we want to actually ask the questions correctly,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: um, and answer them in the appropriate way, like is done in most academic medical centers in the United States.
0: Yeah, that that'll be really cool to see as that tri- kind of trials start to move forward and everything kind of moves in. You know, as you said, you know, these injuries are can be so debilitating for folks. So if they have this new kind of drug that's going to be able to cause this kind of effect. that could be really, really, truly remarkable.
1: We're looking forward to that time.
0: Well, I just wanted to open it up to you, Dr. Elfar, if there was anything else you wanted to touch upon for kind of nerve repairs or some of the research that you were doing. I mean, I I think, like I said, I, I think the stuff you're doing is fascinating and I'm excited to see where it goes.
1: I am too. I think that we're looking down the road now at a time when we can at least ensure that when patients have no function in a leg, that there was none that was recoverable before that point. I think that we're looking to stamp out the misery associated with losing something that was salvageable. That's the general direction. We hope that your listeners, I personally hope that your listeners can find ways to direct us towards the parts we're missing. Uh, No group and no... uh, no research effort, certainly no translational trial effort in anywhere in the United States benefits more than we will from the input of patients uh, yeah. and from people who are seeing these patients. So we look forward to hearing everything that you can help teach us uh, as we move forward down this road.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Dr. Alpha. I really appreciate you taking the time and sitting down with us today. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward, like I said, to seeing where it goes.
1: Thank so. you very much for having me on your show.
0: So thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on Ortho Radio. Thanks.